Hello and welcome back to CrossFit Health Podcast. This is episode number 65 and today we have Yamana who joins us. Thank you for joining us, Yamana. No worries. Thanks for inviting me. The first question I always ask to everyone is uh, why CrossFit Harrow? I've got actually a range of questions that I want to ask you based on the form that you filled in, but why CrossFit Harrow in the first place? Um, uh, the thing is, like, uh, I think I have been looking for a gym in general for over like two years. And uh, when I arrived to the UK, I thought like, yeah, now I have the mental capacity and the financial capacity to start yeah. looking after my health. So I actually like used to play badminton. And then I went to the, like, I was just in a gym nearby. But the thing is, I wasn't like seeing the progress that I want to see first. Um, the second thing, I usually get really bored when doing something by, by my own. So I went to like to do something part of a group. And I live like just right here, like to literally five minutes walking from the, the, the center. So I thought, yeah, why not giving it a try? And uh, my, my husband also recommended this for me. Okay. Yeah, uh, he haven't ever been here, but he, he knew that there's like a center nearby. So uh, yeah, I said like, yeah, let's try it at least. Uh, so I think like um, the, like I think the first few sessions were a bit like new for me because yeah. I'm not used to the style, but I like the idea of being part of a group and doing it like with a group of people and just like starting together and like having someone like who would guide you through the process. It looked like, to, like it looked to me like a personal training basically, but yeah, with yeah. a group. Yeah, So yeah, that, that's why I thought, yeah, CrossFit maybe is the thing that I want to do. Good. Uh, yeah, and nice. uh, yeah, so far I've been seeing the improvement that I want to see. Good, because it was September, October time. That yeah, you, that's you right. Came yeah. Over. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and 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 when you said you play badminton, yeah, was that recreationally or you were playing competitively? No, no, just like individually, um, occasionally with a group of people, friends. Not really something professional. Badminton is actually quite quite a hard sport. It actually. is, it is. I, I like it so much. And um, back home in my country, we do really play badminton a lot, like in the street. We don't like follow any kind of rules. <laughs> you just play. Yeah, we just play. But then I was like, yeah, maybe it's like uh, the time to just be aware of the rules and like try to play in a court with someone who is like intermediate or above. Yeah, so I started doing this in just like a center nearby as well. Yeah. And yeah, I still do do it. You still do it. That's yeah, good. Yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like it so much. But, um, but um, yeah. CrossFit, like, like CrossFit and badminton, they give me like different kind of things. So like CrossFit is for me to build my body and to like um, do the thing that I want to do in terms of the shape of my body. But badminton is something that I enjoy doing it, like with the friends sometimes. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, it's, it's good. It, some people can get so caught up in like CrossFit and that's the only way. Yeah. But it's good to be like we recommend and, and even like the kind of methodology of CrossFit is like get out and play sports. Like there's course, outside yeah. there's things outside of the gym to, mm. to go and do. It's not mm, necessarily mm, always mm. about in the gym. But I want to ask you. Obviously, you said back home a minute ago. So so for you, where is back home? Uh, I was born and raised in Syria. Okay. In Damascus, to be specific. I moved to the UK in 2018. Okay. Yeah. Um. I was awarded uh, a scholarship funded by the UK government to study in the UK. So I was lucky because I came to the UK on a flight. I was fortunate for that while a lot of other Syrians, they came like in different legal ways just like to survive. But I was lucky I came on a student visa. And ever since I'm here in the UK studying and working and enjoying the life here. Yeah, how was you selected? Well, um, there's a scholarship uh, called Achievening. 
and it is uh, offered by the UK government for leaders around the world. So every year they select around 1,000 scholars from around 170 countries around the world. It's so competitive a process. So I was one of the 1,500 applicants, uh, sorry, scholars who were selected out of 5,000 applicants. Wow. So the process were really competitive and I did really prepare for that like over two years, I think. Really? That was the yeah. preparation for it? Yeah, yeah it's just like the, pre- the actual preparation is around like only three, four months. Okay. But to make yourself qualified, you need to build up some skills and like obtain some qualifications. So I remember when I was like studying, um, when I, um, I was doing my bachelor degree, I knew about the achieving scholarship and it's like a scholarship only for masters. So back then I knew that, okay, I want to get this scholarship. I, I think I was in my second year at uni. It's like, yeah, I want to get this scholarship. So I just like went to the website so like what kind of criteria and the scholars that they usually select and try and like ever since I just like try to build up the, some skills, leadership skills and community work just to make myself qualified for the scholarship. And in 2017, I started applying for the scholarship. I'm getting myself prepared. And yeah, in 2018, I got selected. Wow. And yeah, it was, yeah. That must have been a really proud, proud moment. Of course, yeah, because it was a challenging, uh, like because Back then in my country, the situation would not save at all. So it wasn't like I wasn't, I didn't have the mental capacity to look out like for my future. I was like really focusing on surviving basically. But I also knew that I need to build up a future and that future need to be outside of Syria. So I prepared myself and um, I think like because also of the situation in Syria, I had to do a couple of interviews for the scholarship in Lebanon. So I had to travel because in Syria there is no British embassy, basically. And I had to travel to Lebanon a couple of times, just like to do the interview, to do the IELTS exam and like different other preparations. And that was like, oh yeah, sometimes it was really hard to to cover the cost as well because uh, I was working back back then, but it's not like... When you say, what were you doing for work? So this is in Syria, yeah? In Syria, yeah. So in Syria, basically, uh, I was doing development and social development work. Um, I like created multiple uh, youth-led uh, initiatives to help the community. Uh, something about uh, like displacement and poverty. And uh, I think my last uh, station in Syria was with the United Nations Population Fund. I was working for the United Nations to help um, gender-based violence survivors in Syria who were exposed to violence, sexual abuse, to obtain the services needed in different locations within the country. Uh, so yeah, basically my work was all, like all about community work and this is actually the area that the scholarship is interested in in general. So they look out, out for leaders who like do stuff in the community. Helping people. Basically, yes. Yeah. yeah. You mentioned, you touched on um, making a choice for survival. What, what did that look like? How, like how, I mean, some of us are ignorant to it. We, you know, we, we have not been in that environment. We may, maybe don't know, but and I, especially me, like I, this is new, you know, I'm learning quite a lot already in such a short space of time. Um, but what did that look like in terms of, you say, survival? Um, so basically, uh, sometimes I had to make some choices and decisions, not because I want to, but because I had to. So I like, I didn't have like, another solution basically is either to survive or die and of course all people wanted to survive so yeah. I was like just planning ahead and looking out um, like after my future and also because like 
as I told you, I was born and raised in Syria, and the war in Syria started in 2011. And from 2011 to 2018, um, the war, of course, is going on. And I had like different challenges because I was living in rural Damascus. Uh, it's an area that now is completely destroyed and demolished, and wow. I had to move out of it like different several times. So for a short period of time, I was basically an internally displaced person, moving from a place to another place. Just with picking my up your belongings. Well, actually, sometimes we didn't have an opportunity to pick any really? of our belongings, and um, you know, um, I think, and that was really devastating because every time you go out, you think you will get back, and you don't really pick up a lot of stuff because okay i'm gonna get out on a couple of days maybe 10 days 15 days and i'm back but uh yeah we had like different um occasions when we went out of our homes we didn't get like anything and unfortunately we're not able to get anything so every time you move we literally start from zero and i moved like within around four years i changed my home if i want to call it home house flat whatever it is around seven times and wow. every time i move i sometimes just like in a backpack i just like put some clothes and like my mom was always worried about the documents of the house and the properties that we have but she didn't realize that we have honestly zero like ownership or an authority on on any of our properties so regardless of having the papers the documents we don't have anything yeah so just like like picking up the essentials, actually. Um, because it would have been like, from a you know uh, a mindset point of view, wouldn't it be like you're you know well maybe I'm wrong that you would be going out to socialize with friends. You wouldn't be like although that did happen, totally. but yeah, there, there were happen, in actually. the back of your mind it was Literally, like yeah. you're moving here, you know, everywhere, um, yeah. not knowing what's going to happen next. Yeah, definitely. And I remember a time like I was going to uni. And my university was in the uh, in the middle of the center of Damascus, basically, and my, our house was in the rural Damascus. So I just like received a call from my mom in the middle of the day. Yeah, Yamana, please don't get back home because we the situation is not really good and we have to go out. So come to your grandparents' house. So we had a couple of situations like this where we didn't really have the option, you know, it's just like around you trying yeah, to survive, basically. So yeah, uh, we made some choices uh, because we had to. Uh, we wish that we didn't have to make that choices, but yeah, but uh, it's all about surviving. So that's. Uh, I think some of us take things for granted and don't actually realize the severity sure. of the things that that, that go on. Sure, sure. Um, obviously, yeah. life is much much different now. Um, how has how has? Um, I mean, I could ask you all day about <laughs> you know. That coming out of the like war zones, the obstacles and stuff. But what what would you say out of that journey was your biggest obstacle or your biggest lesson? Um, I think the obstacles are many. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some obstacles are like at the personal level and family level, and other about the society and the country that I was in. So like at the personal level, you know that. Because in Syria, the culture is so, like, we do love our families a lot. And I know all people love their families, but in our case, it's just like you spend all your life with your family. You never leave them. 
unless you you have to. It's yeah. like it has to be a really urgent matter for you to leave your family. Because do, do you all did you we all live, move yeah. together? Of Everything course, was done yeah. together. Yeah, and like in general, in in Syria or in any kind of Muslim culture, you don't leave the house of the family unless you get married or you have to travel outside of the country. So, like my my family is something that is really important for me but sometimes you'll get overwhelmed because like every time you need to make a decision you are not thinking about yourself you are thinking about the four other people that are part of your family so that was like sometimes a a struggle for me and um and also like something about the personal level sometimes you don't really get the mental health uh, needed for you to flourish and progress and i remember like when the war started in syria i was studying applying for the high school exam and the high school exam in syria what we call baccalaureate basically it's the certificate that determine your university study so i remember like studying at the night and protesters are outside like muscles and rockets are landing on them uh, like you you hear the like bonfire and a lot of like really things that it's not really good for someone to be studying in. Yeah. It's just like a situation Constant state where, of fear. Yeah, totally. I was like, I remember back then I was honestly sitting in my room and my sister, she was sleeping and I was studying and like I was hearing all the things happening around. It wasn't really, yeah, like the environment didn't really help that much. And that year was like really important for me because like after this year, basically, your career and future would be determined. So the way like you study in the in Syria is different from the UK. So it's not like you decide what you need, your grade decide what you would be studying. So so like that at the personal level, some mental health issues and the environment wasn't really helping at all. And because like um, in my family, we are kind of from a rural kind of a background. So my parents didn't study and they don't really know how to read or write. They didn't even complete secondary school, but they were very keen on us. I mean, me and my brother and sister to study and obtain uh, like a good uh, kind of qualification. Did you learn English in, from in, school? Yeah, in yeah in, from school. In yeah, Syria. and uh, I think um, when I was pre- preparing myself for the interview, for the scholarship, yeah, I started to like, just like watch some YouTube videos and try to- Oh improve. really, is that part of the way that you learn? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because, yeah, because as I told you, financially, it wasn't really easy for me to cover the courses of English. So I had to like use YouTube and other like platforms just to improve my English and other like mobile applications. Yeah, and um, it wasn't really easy at all. It was difficult, but uh, yeah. And to be honest, the IELTS exam is a nightmare for any non-English speaker <laughs> because you need to prepare for it. And like based on it, you will determine if you will be traveling or sitting outside. So yeah, it was it was really uh, challenging in, in general. What was um, like school like? Because I would imagine it's very different to the system that's mm. here, right? What would it be like you know you do a whole day at school do you how, what was it like um well actually uh the school is not really that much different from okay what is it here in the uk the only difference i i would say is actually the system because i think here in the uk like from age 15 you'll start to think about your future and what you want to do after gcse something yeah 15, i'm 16, not really yeah. familiar with the with the system yeah something here. around that yeah. yeah but yeah in syria it's, it's much different because uh, we do have two main certificates 
the one that you take when you are 15 and other one when you are 17. So school stops at 17? In Basically, okay. yeah. And yeah. from 17 onwards, you study bachelor degree. We don't have like a college kind of thing. Just like you go to university or you don't study. And what would someone do if they didn't go to university? They would uh, learn any other like... Trade, uh, yeah, something on... Or maybe, um, maybe something about... Um, plumbing something about uh like hairstyling and for those kind of occupations in syria you don't need to study for them and also like if you are studying at university you can learn this kind of uh, not really sure what they call them recreational kind of uh, occupations uh so you don't need a certificate for that it's, okay. it's like a bit different from the uk because you were telling me that at college you you are like teaching people sport yeah. and nutrition in Syria. You like if you want to do CrossFit, you don't need a qualification for that. Okay, you just need like the body capacity and uh, the the experience basically. To it's more it, about yeah. the experience, not the qualification that you have. Yeah. And what was um like was there like a PE day? Was there a sport day that you done at school? Was what was that? Of was, course, yeah. yeah. We had. <laughs> it's it's funny uh, because like. Um, we had a couple of sessions at school, like maybe once a week. Uh, we have like around 50 minutes sport, but usually sport in Syria is not as important as math. So if like the math teacher is not on, on top of their like agenda, they will take the sport class and teach you math in it. So that did really happen, and especially like in these essential certificates that I've told you about where like students really get very overwhelmed. So yeah, like the science teacher would take the sport or the music. <laughs> like those are not important thing in Syria. Like uh, they don't give them a priority. So we have sport, um, we have music, and we have kind of recreational cooking kind of classes. And these three classes always replaced with math, science, physics. Or math again. <laughs> yeah. what, what's a, uh, you said cooking, what's a, what's a typical Syrian uh, dinner or food mm. so all right so we have a lot of things uh, like our cuisine is honestly um, like we have a variety of meals different meals but um, the most popular one I would say is tabbouleh okay which is like it's a salad uh, it's yeah similar to the normal salad but we use like different things in it but yeah I'm not really sure how I could describe that for you and what's uh, in the salad is it just greens vegetables? yeah it's uh, basically tomatoes and uh, and um, cucumber sometimes uh, onion and uh, uh, burgo okay. the, is the, that like burgo wheat yeah, 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 yeah. the small one and uh, yeah and you need like to add some dressing to it but it's so popular in Syria we of course have hummus yeah we call it in Syria by the way a different name we call it msabaha. Okay. It's actually the, the same hummus. The same, okay. Yeah, but we call it msabaha. And uh, we have like um, something that I really like and I don't think other cuisines have is actually the yogurt. We cook the yogurt and we heat you, it. You cook it? Yeah, so basically we have a very popular meal called chakriye, which is basically uh, lamb cubes mm. in a yogurt and you cook the yogurt so it's uh, i'm getting hungry as you say this yeah this is, yeah okay. it's really nice i love it yeah so i think we are the only cuisine who cook yogurt because yeah. it's interesting because a lot of, obviously food is a big part of like you know family time and stuff mm. but in terms of like fitness and stuff like that you wouldn't mm. have really 
you know, it wouldn't have really looked, you wouldn't have looked at foods like proteins, like yeah. fats and carbs, like a lot of people just naturally do when they, right. you know, because of the, the, what's been surrounded, you've been surrounded by in Syria. So ha have you adopted kind of like, uh, it's not even a UK thing, it's more of a fitness thing now where you eat. Do you, or mm. do you still eat as culturally as you would before mm. or has, mm. has things changed? Well, the thing is, I think in general, the Syrian cuisine is healthy because we have like, we have actually different kind of things and for each meal you can make it healthy or not it's like your decision basically and we have a lot of vegetarian kind <laughs> your, of meals it's your decision it depends on what what day you feel like it could be yeah. a good day or a bad oh, day yeah totally because for example we have a lot of vegetarian meals but you can always add some fat to it if you want to but like for me like I don't think my eating habits really changed because back home I didn't like used to eat like some like a lot of unhealthy kind of food. Um, my like my food is really uh, all about a protein uh, and I don't eat fat. I don't eat any kind of fried food. I don't eat fries as well. Okay. Yeah. So. Well, I suppose that's not that wouldn't be something that you would make at, at, in Syria, right? When you in Syria, you wouldn't. You really, would. You, you would, would. Yeah. 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 I think in general, Syrians are aware of the unhealthy food, and uh, yeah, they are keen on not having that, but not like, uh, and especially with the young people, among young people, as a new generation. But if like you think about my grandmother, of like she is of course like her meal, it's like high percentage of fat, but because. This is what Syrian food looked like to looked her. Looked like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to picture like a day in 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 Syria and stuff. Like it would it wouldn't maybe in certain parts of Syria, there would be there would there be places where you would go to eat out mm. or would you a lot of the time would be eating all together at home? Mm. Uh, no, you would eat outside yeah. if you are like at work. Uh, you would have your lunch outside. The thing is, as it, no, as in eating out to you would go to a restaurant. Would that yeah, is that yeah of yeah, course, yeah 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 you would definitely, but not that like uh, not that frequent. Okay. Um, because like as I told you in Syria, the family they do all live Everything together. together. So like whenever I come home, there's a meal for me prepared by my mom, and uh, so I wouldn't really worry or have to go outside the thing is that in syria like you know here in the uk during your working hour you have one hour lunch in syria we don't have this if you want to like have lunch you need to like dedicate that from your working hour so there's no like set timing where you need to go out and hence we don't have this kind of culture so we don't have like here in, for example in tesco you would go and get a meal deal during lunch time in syria we don't have this kind of products so if you are to go and eat like lunch, it's either you go to our restaurant and have a proper meal or you bring something from home. Uh, but yeah, uh, but in general, we like eating together as a family and uh, like dinner is something so important usually. So after like, like you get back from work or school like you you will see like your parents father mother sister brother they are waiting for you okay. so they would give you a call we haven't eaten please hurry up so yeah like uh, eating in general is an yeah it's a habit like uh, have like sitting all around and uh, family yeah. time it is family time yeah Let, let's go back to um the scholarship side of things so now you 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 got the scholarship you you're on a flight over to the uk paint that picture what did that look like now uh, well, basically, I was really happy back then. And uh, I remember when I received the news, uh, I was at the office. 
And you know, sometimes you don't really need to tell your colleagues that you are leaving or maybe your manager. It's like, I'm leaving the job. But I was so happy, so I wasn't able to just like keep it for me. It's like, <laughs> I went to everybody I would see. It's like, I got a scholarship and I'm going out of Syria, you know? And I'm going to the UK. It's like, it's really a dream for me since I was a kid. Uh, so I remember when I got the scholarship, I just like called my dad. It's like, dad, I got the scholarship and my dad started crying. Oh, amazing. And that was like a very important moment because as I told you, my family is kind of religious um, Syrian family and we have like the tradition is so important. So I remember my dad was different from my extended kind of family, but I remember like some of my uncles, they were not happy that I got the scholarship because they think like it would take you away from family yeah, and because like females are not supposed yeah. to travel alone so how would i go outside of my country and live by myself if it was a boy okay that would be understandable because of the military service and a lot of stuff but for girls that are not really allowed or encouraged to go out so when I, I see the news, I called my dad and he was honestly really happy. And he always say, yeah, go and find a way to bring us because he wants to go out of the Syria as well. But for my uncles, grandparents and like other cousins, it's like, are you leaving? Oh, they would like actually speak to my father and convince him not, not to, to send. Yeah. yeah, totally. Because it's not part of the culture for girls to, to, to travel by their, by, on their own. Have there been a lot of obstacles and a lot of challenges that you face being female and being Muslim that has stopped you? Yeah, for, um, at the personal level, no. It was actually a motivation for me. I wanted to challenge the status quo. So whenever like I was in Syria, I was like setting an example of how an like independent girl could be. And I was like motivated by the fact that I want to set an example for girls that they can do it by like on yeah, their yeah. own. And also motivate some family members as well. But um, but is it a challenge? It is. And I, I know personally a lot of girls who got really awesome opportunities in Syria and they were not allowed to go out and benefit from it. And I have friends who got the scholarship, but then their family said, OK, go study, but you will be coming back. You are not allowed to stay in the UK. And a friend of mine, she went back to Syria this year. And honestly, she is devastated because she doesn't want to do this. She yeah. doesn't want to like be living in Syria and because of the safety and the opportunity, a lot of stuff. But she has like zero power over that. I mean, a lot, a lot of people would think because the opportunities, but actually probably the first, the top of the list is like the safety of the individual, right? It is safe and it is like a place where like you can basically speak, uh, voice up your needs and not be like afraid of someone taking you home. It's like you have like ownership of what you have, basically. In Syria, you don't have that right. Um, and there's absolutely no way of speaking out. Like, just doesn't. It does, it's no. a culture. It doesn't happen. In that it's case. not an option. Um, you can speak out, but you need to run the risk of being the consequences. Let's exactly. Say. Yeah. So yeah, but um, but yeah, a lot of people have been silent, and the people who want to speak are either outside the country or unfortunately detained. So uh, yeah, but but it is challenging. It is. It's not only for girls. It's challenging for anyone in Syria. But of course, um, like females in general, in general, because of the culture and religion, are facing a lot of obstacles. Yeah. Do Do you still face those some of those obstacles today? Not really. Not really. Because um, I'm now. I think I'm very independent. 
first. Second, like the people that matters to me from my family side are on my side. Yeah, so I wouldn't really worry about the others. And um, and um, because, yeah, hey, I'm surrounded by people who really think like me. So I'm in my, like in the bubble that would suit me, basically. So I don't think I'm facing any of these challenges. Um, yeah. Good. Um, okay, so you, uh, your dad supported you, you've come over to England, you, where are you, Heathrow, Stansted, where, what happens next? What, where do you go from here? Yeah, the funny thing that uh, my first flight to, Lon uh, to London was my first flight in life. Wow. I've never been on a flight before. So how, how, tell me about that. Was that like a really of weird course. experience? Well, it was really weird and funny because now when I remember... Because you were 9, six, 17, 18, 19? Uh, back then, I was 23. Oh, 23. Yeah, oh, because sorry. Okay. I, I went to my master to study my master's degree. Okay. Yeah, and the funny thing, um, the people who were accepted in the scholarship, I was the youngest one in my group. And uh, it was my first flight. I was honestly really anxious about it because also I had to travel from Lebanon because in Syria, the airports are not really working or operating. So I think, yeah, I traveled to Lebanon. I uh, went from, from Beirut, and when I was on the flight, I didn't know how to fasten my seatbelt. Oh, right. I, I had no idea how to do it. So I was like just observing how would like someone else do it. And luckily, the girl was sitting just next to me. She like that flight was her first flight in life. <laughs> and she was going out of Turkey because I had to trans like transit in Turkey. It's like, all right, so I'm gonna, I'm like, let's discover this guy. So, do you know how to fasten the seat? It's like, well, actually, I don't, okay, okay, like, then I'm gonna try and not be embarrassed because there, you There's know, two of, you. of yeah, course, yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, but then I figured that out. And I remember when um, uh, in the airport, one of my friends was waiting for me, but unfortunately, for some reason, he wasn't being able to be in, at the airport on time. So he told me, okay, Yamana, I was at Heathrow back then. It's like, okay, Yamana, take the train from Heathrow to Green Park. It's like, what? <laughs> totally. I've never seen a train in my whole life. I was about because, to say, yeah, yeah you were, in yeah. Syria, we don't have a train. I've never used this. Like, okay. And I had like a lot of luggages on me. It's like, it wasn't easy to move around. And, um, and, and also I didn't have like a SIM card. I had only the internet on my mobile. And you know, you know when you go out of Heathrow, you don't there's have- There's no like, yeah. Wi-Fi. Well, no, yeah, wifi. yeah, There's yeah. no Wi-Fi. I was like, all right. It's like, I was honestly up to cry. It's like, okay, I'm gonna hold it. Okay, you, you, I don't have any other solution. So I went out of the, of the gate following the signs, but I reached a point, I honestly don't know where to go. <laughs> and I need to charge this Oyster kind of card because I didn't- That have, was new as well? You of course, that, yeah. yeah, because back home we don't have like we don't have online banking. So there's no, like there's nothing you go like, take your card and tap. There's nothing such a, like tap your card. So I was like, okay, so I, not, I need to top up my Oyster card. And then I saw someone, I was like, excuse me, could you please help me? I wanna top up my Oyster card and go through the chance. Like, where are you from? I was like, I'm from Syria. I was like, okay, I'm from Algeria. And he spoke Arabic. I was like, you know when God sent you like these beautiful messages, people? Yeah, 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 literally. And I was like, okay, he helped me top up the card. He took my luggages and helped me and put me on the chair. I was like, okay, see, here's like green bar, go for it. So yeah, that was on. How lucky was that? I was honestly so lucky, yeah. Yeah, it's like when I, I told my mom, it's like, this is what happens, you know, this is my prayers. I was like, yeah, yeah, it is, yeah. So, yeah, it was, um, yeah, this is maybe my first cultural talk. 
Wow, that, that's that's because we again we take that for granted. It's just something that yeah. we're like yeah. here we're used to, you know. You, totally, you, yeah, yeah. Tap you move on yeah, the train. Yeah, and I remember like I was sitting in the train, totally anxious because like I I like I was scared to miss the the station. Stop. And because of the accent, when the, the announcement was like, Green Park, I wouldn't like actually understand the accent. It's like, okay, I was like looking forward to the station. Uh, yeah. Well, I suppose you wouldn't have known what to expect. When you got onto no. the train, yeah. you I wouldn't know no whether you had to tell someone you wanted to get off. You didn't know whether you had to ring a bell, you, what, anything. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, I, yeah, I had, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so you settled, have you been in, since you, come over from Syria did you were you always in Harrow not really uh, I think my um, my first station was uh, Old Street okay and then I moved from Old Street to Kentish Town and uh, yeah ever since I'm in Harrow because your job title is project coordinator and yeah. that's that's what you do now and have yeah. you progressed into that from when you from when you came over yeah so basically when I, I came to the UK for one year I didn't do any work because I was studying and my masters were full-time so I had like really to focus on that so I wasn't studying I wasn't working for one year and after that uh, when I have I've graduated I started applying for jobs I suppose that one year of not working though also gave you an opportunity to kind of find out where you was what was around you know you were studying yeah. but it was probably good that you needed that time yeah, actually, yeah, I think, and if I had a chance to work, I wouldn't do it because I, I told myself that I want to really enjoy it because in my bachelor study, I was honestly hustling between studying, working, moving houses, displacement and the safety and security issue. So in my master's, I, I took a decision that I need to enjoy this year and not worry about anything else, but like just studying and having like some uh, nice uh, colleagues at, at university and that's it so yeah I was honestly just focusing on studying and after that I started applying for jobs and yeah I was lucky I found a job very quickly yeah uh, and I started working for a housing association called Peabody okay, and yeah, um, yeah Peabody is a nice organization and uh, it has been operating in London for around uh, 150 years and they just like do build houses around London and uh, my work is basically around helping residents start their own businesses. Okay. So we offer grants for residents, Peabody residents, and um, my work is all about mentorship and support and some kind of financial entrepreneurial kind of support. So, yeah, so I enjoy my work. Yeah, it I sounds like, like a really good role, actually. It is, it is, it is nice. Um, yeah, I do work with young people a lot. Uh, and it's something that I enjoy, and I used to do it in, uh, to do in, in Syria as well. Too. So I do have like kind of experience with that. Yeah. Did you find um, adapting to UK life hard? Not really. Uh, it wasn't like a culture that I wasn't familiar with. with. I know I've never went out of Syria. I just like traveled for Lebanon only because it's a nearby country. But because of like, t I watch a lot of movies and TV programs. So I was like familiar with the culture kind of. And because in my work with the United Nations, we had a lot of international colleagues coming from different countries. So I kind of like, yeah, knew about the context here and the challenges. I had also a couple of friends who took the scholarship some years oh, before previously, me. Right. So just, yeah, I kept chatting with them and um, they kind of, yeah, 
told me about the life in the UK and how things work here. But that doesn't mean that I didn't face like some challenges. Yeah, here. because of even course. technology, right, would have been um, sure. Different. Yeah, 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 and uh, yeah, and there are like some challenges that come from your identity as a person, and some challenges come from the country and the context. So yeah, I, yeah, I faced some challenges, but um, but um, honestly, I was able to overcome them, and I had like a nice supporting system. That yeah, was that was actually going to be one of my next questions about support system. We spoke, or you mentioned about your, your husband and how he helped you settle. T- talk to me a little bit more about, about that. Yeah, so um, I remember when I came to the UK, I met my husband. And, um, and uh, back then, he, 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 had been, he has been in the UK for seven years now. So he is like quite knowledgeable like the area and what to do. So he was like, yeah, quite an asset for me to get used to the life and also to to really enjoy it because like for any Syrian, not only Syrian, any immigrant, when they like when they flee a country and come to a one that is developed, we do have our own like trauma trauma kind of experience and of we course. do always worry about our family. So like if you literally I, I remember for the first year, like if I would go to a restaurant, I would feel guilty for it. Because I would say it's um, not normal for you. It didn't feel natural. Yeah, you were used to eating at home. Totally, I was like, what? Like, it's not okay for me back then to go to a restaurant and enjoy a thirty pounds kind of meal while my family is under like in a war zone. Yeah. So you always would feel guilty for it, even if you are traveling with friends. Okay, you would say I'm I'm here having fun and my family is struggling. So you need like you have kind of what what they call it survival kind of issue yeah for people who survive they do always feel guilty for anything they do Mm. yeah but i think yeah my husband was an an asset and uh i'm grateful that i yeah i was able to meet him and uh, and he is a really nice person as well so with your parents being back in syria and you having met your husband did you like as a muslim like as a female how was that did you have to ring them tell them well of course yeah because (laughs) there's certain rules right of course there's rules for this so yeah basically in in syria like things doesn't work that way so in syria for a person to get married the traditional kind of way is like a family the family of the um, of the man would come to the uh, family of the girl and ask for like for the the, hand in the uh, hand of the girl and after that they would like like basically everything should go through, through the, the family families. yeah but he he when i met my husband it was a different kind of scenario because uh, first of all um and it's something that i'm so, so proud of uh, like of because i'm the one who asked my husband on the first okay. date and that was like something really unusual for a girl and yeah. also coming from syria yeah, of course and uh but because for me i was in a position that I I do want to make my own choices and I'm in a country where there is no one would judge me and there is no like culture or a society kind of pressure so I'm here I can make my own decisions so when I met him I liked him and I asked him on a date amazing that is such a good story yeah and I think when like we we started like chatting and getting to know each other and when I felt yeah I think this is the right man for me I went to my dad and told him that I met a Syrian guy in uh, like a kind of Syrian gathering and uh, and he asked me if he could speak to my family I didn't tell him the 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 true story because if I had done that 
it wouldn't be accepted. So, and he said, yeah, that's totally fine. Like, let him know that he can call us, his mom can call us. And uh, yeah, and after that, my dad told me, yeah, okay, try to get to know him. My dad, my dad is not really tradition, traditional, but he also liked to keep everything in order. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like, okay, there's no wrong if you're going out with someone and trying to get to know them, but of course, like, keep it like in a formal kind of way. So, yeah, and uh, after that, yeah, we are engaged and, uh, and then we got married. And uh, in our wedding, we had no one from our families because none of them were able to come to the UK. So we had only a couple of friends. And uh, yeah, and uh, we have, yeah, we had a really nice wedding. Amazing. And, uh, and also, yeah, a nice thing that I'm also proud about that I have proposed to my husband. And, and I was so proud and happy to do it. And you should be, that, that is, yeah, yeah. And also to have like the choice, coming back the choice thing, because sometimes you don't have the choice. Well, I suppose growing up for you, a lot of the things you didn't get the choice for, the choice was made for you. So yeah. for you to be able to make that choice is a big thing for you. It is, it is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think like for a decision that would shape the rest of your life, you need to have ownership of that decision. Of course, yeah. yeah. I, so, I, I think that's a sensible thing. Yeah, so yeah, um, I was happy and uh, yeah. And uh, after we got married, I told my father, mother's true story. <laughs> and yeah, it was like, okay, you are like, he's, he's your husband now, we can't say anything, but yeah. But they knew that I made the right choice and they see the outcomes of that choice. So yeah, they do trust me. And um, yeah, I actually, I'm grateful for that. Good. Um, okay, and then you know you went. Uh, you know you 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 you've. I'm just trying to go back where the story was. Um, you've met your husband. You're in, in. You're in work. You're you're achieving through work, and then that's when you found CrossFit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before kind of that little bit was over the years. Has sport or fitness been really important to you? Of course. Yeah. yeah. I think yes. Sport was like always important to me, and also in Syria, I tried to to go to for a couple of gyms. Unfortunately, in Syria, we do don't- Do they have that resource, is that? We do have that yeah. resources. It's not like as nice as in the UK, but we did have some options. Because there were actually some really, um, I don't know their names, but there's some really big Syrian weightlifters. Yeah. Uh, and bodybuilders, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we have, like, yeah, we have a lot of options. And actually we have CrossFit in Syria. Yeah. Yeah, we have like Zumba and a lot of like other classes. We do have everything basically. But uh, you wouldn't see, the issue that I would say is not with the equipments, but is that with the expertise and the people the who are it, training yeah. you. This is the only issue because I think the people who have the experience traveled out of Syria because they wanted for more opportunities, opportunities yeah. basically. So yeah, we had a couple of resources, but nothing like really would satisfy me. And back then I was doing it on my own using some mobile applications and sometimes like YouTube videos just like to, um, to do some exercises. But uh, yeah, when I came to the UK, uh, my husband, of course, encouraged me and also my brother-in-law, he has been playing uh, CrossFit for over seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Here in the UK? No, uh, he is in Dubai. He's in Dubai. And he is a professional. He has some qualifications. I'm not really sure what they are called. Okay. But, uh, but yeah, and um, I visited their center once and honestly, it's, it's a huge and nice. It's really There's nice. a... 
I know there's a CrossFit Yas in Dubai. There's I don't really know the sure names. The names that's the only yeah. one that stands out for me that I yeah, remember. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but he he is a professional. So he did really inspire me. He he does like post a lot of videos on Instagram. So I was like yeah inspired by the videos, and yeah I I knew also this is like CrossFit is not like a kind of guys only kind of sport. Yeah, it's that's like something I want to get into. For yeah. females and males. So that's why I was like yeah maybe this is the right choice for me, and I can meet some people. And also because I wanted to integrate with uh, people like who are different from me, just to integrate in, this, in the British society. So I thought maybe through the CrossFit, I would be able to meet some friends yeah. and just like go the community out of element. my yeah, basically go out of my bubble and meet uh, some new people. Yeah, yeah, that's ama- amazing. So that was one of the things I wanted to ask you is you know uh, the obje- or the challenges that you might have faced going into like gyms or as you know with cultural rules and, and society's rules let's say um but haven't really experienced negative aspects hey, of that here, here here yeah uh, not really That's i good. don't think like no one ever said anything to me uh of course like you have these people not only in in sport kind of in the, yeah just in, in the world in general yeah. that would look look at you in a different way because like of my headscarf some people are not really familiar with what like this is and so they would feel weird so they would like give me some like stare at me uh i remember like one day in the train i was in the tube just like waiting for the next station and someone just like kept looking at me and just like chatting with their friends so i i totally understand maybe i'm not really a familiar face in the uk but i've never been attacked for that i think yeah maybe only once i think but um no one like really hurt me uh but yeah, yeah. Let's, hope, let's hope it stays that, that, that yeah way. i hope so yeah but yeah you always like have people who would stare at you see that there's something different but uh, but yeah i think um sometimes that would be a challenge yeah i think uh that like when i came to the christopher tarot i was a bit hesitant because like for me playing and wearing my headscarf and it's like it's not really a familiar kind of thing so and i hope that i would find people who would look like me just like to feel myself part of the, of the group uh but yeah i i think yeah the people here are really welcoming and they are really nice and uh, i'm i'm just trying i'm getting used to it yeah okay and i think yeah uk in general or london is a very diverse kind of place so you would feel like there's like for every person they would feel there's people who would look like them yeah of and not only muslims i mean any anyone any yeah am i right in saying that there are different stages of a, of a muslim female's life different headscarves different they mean different things is that right yeah they yeah they do it's just like um it depends on how religious you are okay and um and uh, how much you are willing to practice their religion in general okay. so yeah there are women who do cover their head there are women they don't it's just like about like all about your beliefs basically. are they also choices that the women will make uh it's a choices yeah, yeah. of course so so like in like yeah some people would find it weird if a muslim girl is not wearing a headscarf no there are a lot of muslims girls that they that wouldn't yeah, yeah yeah uh because they don't want to and there are other girls who would wear it and then take it off because they like after a while they would say yeah maybe this is not this is a thing not for me 
but yeah, you could you could always try, and of course, there's a challenges with like which, All, yeah. each solution. whichever route you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always a challenge, but uh, yeah, it depends on you and um, and your supporting system again. Do you um do you ever plan to go back to to Syria for you know see the family? Yeah, of course. Yeah, actually, I've been planning like from last year i wanted to visit my family but because of the cover and all of it i wasn't able to do that what's that situation like in syria is that um in terms of safety yeah i would say now it's safe in in the sense that if you are walking on the street there is not rocket will land on you and kill you basically <laughs> but in terms of the the system and uh, no it's not safe if you would say something that is not would it be safe for a british white individual yeah 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 because um it would be okay um if you if you mean about british white it would be definitely safe because in syria we don't really differentiate between skin color we don't really care about this kind of stuff because in syria we have white we have black we have actually different kind of ethnicities so you would see different ethnicities in syria so we don't really pay attention to that that much in terms of nationality um from the government side that person might struggle a bit but from the community side we no. don't really take like we don't care about that it yeah, doesn't, doesn't really matter, matter. Yeah. but yeah and from it shouldn't the matter in any country yeah. I don't think it should matter. but from the government side they would ask why a british person would be in syria it's like what are you doing here what do you want from him yeah, yeah. totally it's like yeah they would also always assume there's an agenda behind it so <laughs> So yeah, it's a bit funny, yeah, but that's true. Uh, that's that's crazy. It blows my mind. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like yeah. I think uh, in Syria or any other developing country or um, country that is not really democratic, you would see stuff that you wouldn't imagine. Uh, this is not only only the case of in Syria. Yeah, the of case course. of a lot of other countries actually. Uh, but yeah, but I could reflect because I'm Syrian. Yeah. Um, and then what are the plans for you for the next like six months? What what do you want from the next six months, 12 months? Have you got any personal goals that you want to achieve through, through work or through fitness? Yeah, uh, actually through work. Let's start with that. I have just got a promotion. Oh, wow. Congratulations. And I'm going to be starting the new job in uh, six months, uh, in one month. Okay, so well it's done. In the same organization, but it's a lead position. Uh, lead local area plan, which is basically about designing different interventions for a group of boroughs in London. It comes uh, with a lot more responsibilities. Of obviously. course, yeah, it's uh, yeah a lot of responsibilities and uh, like a new kind of learning opportunity. So yeah, I'm very excited for that. Just like doing the handover kind of stuff now. So that's for work-wise. That's going to be the, the yeah. kind of top of what you want to achieve. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, I think I'm um, as I told you, I do. Uh, development in general so i'm working on a research recently and uh, i think yeah this research is so important for me because i'm just studying the relationship between the law in syria and gender-based violence and trying to just like suggest a pathway for law reform in syria so i'm really excited for that at personal and fitness level um i'm not really i don't really have a goal in mind but for me it's so important to stay fit this is like a priority and also to stay in shape and also like uh, to have a better like body looking and body shape so yeah i'm aiming for that i'm uh, there's like nothing in particular i'm not really aiming to go into a competition or this kind of stuff because i want to like keep it casual so um uh, i think i'm gonna soon be starting some violin classes 
Oh, right. okay. Yeah, I've always like wanted to learn any musical instrument and in Syria, I didn't have the luxury for that. So now I think, yeah, I have the financial ability and I have the time above all. So why not go for it? So I thought, yeah, maybe I would uh, give myself a gift, get myself a violin and some That's impressive. Classes. That's really amazing. Yeah. yeah. It, it's interesting to hear your, your, um, your goals, actually, because I think with like the life that you know, you've lit the, the years that have passed you and the things that you've seen, although fitness is important to you, like there's been other things in your life that have been so much more important that make you not value it in certain ways. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it's, it's, you know what, like at different stage, it's according to your mental health and resources, mm. you would make your decisions. But for me, like now in the back of my head, I always have this goal of helping my family. And like every now and then I, support my family in different means. And I have like always that goal of bringing my family to the UK. I have no power over this, but if I would have the chance, I was like every now and then I hear about a family that came to, from Syria to the UK. I was like, I try to see how they would be able to do that and see if I couldn't bring my family. But I think if my family here in the UK, I wouldn't have that as a priority. I would think about something else. So it's all about like your goals, it's all about what you are missing at the moment mm. and try to fulfill that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's basically about your needs, yeah. Very interesting way to put that. Um, the last question I'll ask you is obviously like with the adverse things that you've seen and stuff like, how have, what, what do you do to stay so mentally strong? I'm not really sure. I, I, I don't really have an answer for that because it's just like sometimes you don't really think about it that much because when you are into the moment, you just like need to get like to fix things and find solutions. You don't really get to see the overall picture. But I think like during the like when I was in Syria, yeah, I think I had some mental health issues, but I didn't realize that. I think like from eight months ago, I have started to realize that actually I had some issues back then, but I didn't notice them because I was in a rush. I was hustling. I was trying to just like find solutions to my reality. Like quick fixes for you to be safe as well. Basically, yeah. So I wasn't really paying attention for that. And also like in Syria, in different countries, mental health is not really an important kind of subject. It's now recently becoming an important thing and people are speaking about but I think yes when I came to the UK for the first three months was like honestly very depressed very lonely and I thought like I wasn't and the surprising thing that I didn't also know that I'm facing that kind of challenges because you know when you are into it you wouldn't see it it's, like, it's when you stop sometimes you actually reflect and go oh yeah. actually I was facing that challenge yeah. yes and I think yeah after like the three months, I have started seeing mental health support and trying like to get them walking, talking therapy kind of sessions, just like to fix what the situation and the war in Syria had done to me. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah and um, yeah, and uh, I think also, I think doing CrossFit did really help in that matter as well. Just like being active. Um, like for me, I do really find pleasure in achievements. So when I come to every session and I go out sweating and feeling really tired I feel like a sense of ownership and like a sense of achievement and that would really change my mood and uh, and I also like in any therapy session that I've, I've done they always say please exercise and for me I try to exercise but as I told you I'm someone who would get bored really easily, easily. and would get distracted as well 
So I need someone who would always like grab my attention and like help me focus. Mm -hmm. So I think with, with CrossFit, I was able to do that because it's a group activity. You are doing this with a group. Uh, there's someone who is like observing and watching you. And if you do something wrong or go out of track, they would let you know. So you still like, you need to just like spend an hour not thinking about anything else but CrossFit. So yeah, I think that was a nice thing that CrossFit ha has given to me as well. Amazing. Um, that was such a good close. Yamana, thank you very much for your time. It's been no an worries. amazing story. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you for inviting me as well. No problem. Guys, join us back next week. <laughs>